for the high school coach, I think the biggest change is the sophistication with which defense is played now. So it changes your teaching as a high school coach because you can teach in college and especially in the NFL with one track. But as a high school coach, you've got to teach at the junior high level, then you've got to teach at the sub varsity level because people won't line up and cover three for you on the varsity level like, like they do. So a lot of the concepts that you say okay, this is what we're going to do on Friday night and Saturdays in the playoffs. Those are not necessarily good. You have to build towards it. So your teaching has to be better. It has to be more layered because the things that they will see, you might not see a whole lot at the sub-varsity level. Today, we're introducing a new series on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast with one of our recent guests, a guy who I really respect in the way that he teaches the game, especially the passing game. And that's Josh Herring, and the series that we're doing is called The Passing Lab. So, Josh, I'm really excited about this. I'm glad you've joined us to do this and and going through and and listening to these before we started to air them. I've just been impressed with, one, uh, the quality of the guests and the information they share, and, two, just your ability to lead them through this conversation. Well, thanks. I'm super excited, Keith, about this. It's just uh, it's something I enjoy, and I'm Definitely a novice trying to figure this whole thing out, but just I love to talk ball. And these guys, you know, I'm learning just as much as I think anybody listening to this is. And I think that's the fun part of it for me. That's exactly why I started this podcast. And I think in that regard, you've picked up the ball and have run with it, or in this case, thrown it. And this is a really good one to start it off with a good friend of both of ours, Dan Gonzalez. And there's very few people in this game I'd call a guru, but like Dan's study of the game the way he's able to teach it, the depth and detail that he's able to see this the game in, especially the passing game, I think uh, he definitely qualifies for that title guru. And this is a great episode to start the whole thing off with. Guru is the right word. Dan's very humble and doesn't like uh, people to you know throw around those types of terms. But when, when I think about people I respect as a passing game mind, I mean, he is right at the top. And I think he does as good of a job as anybody in the country of, you know, teaching his system as well as the design of it. It's been a huge influence on on my career, which we talk about in the podcast. And uh, I think anybody from, you know, the youth level to the NFL can learn something from hearing Dan talk passing game. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512 812- 814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. All right, I want to welcome Dan Gonzalez to the pod. You know, Dan has been a big figure in my coaching journey. I would say, 
you know, I've told many people probably the biggest influence on how I think about the passing game has come from Dan and all the stuff that he's done over the years. Uh, you may know Dan from, he's got several really, really well-received coach two courses out there. He's been a consultant for a long time, college assistant, high school assistant, known for working with quarterbacks. We could go on and on, but we want to jump right into talking ball with Dan and just uh, hear what he has to say about the passing game. And I know you're going to get a lot out of this. So Dan, great to have you on. Thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. And those are very kind things that you're saying about me. You've been the things that you guys have been doing for several years in a row now, you know, I can't take any credit for that. You guys have, you guys have done it. We appreciate it. So jumping right in. All right. You know, we've known each other personally for a while. Other people may not know. You are really, really in-depth with how you study the passing game. I think you do a great job of kind of staying on the cutting edge and knowing, you know, where's the game going, what are defenses trying to do to combat things. But just over the last few years, like what are some changes you've seen in the passing game? Maybe it's how defenses, everything from how coverages are responding to offenses, how offenses are changing. Just kind of walk us through the things that you're seeing that have changed in the last few years and how things are kind of evolving in your opinion. For the high school coach, I think the biggest change is the sophistication with which defense is played now. So it changes your teaching as a high school coach because you can teach in college and especially in the NFL with one track. But as a high school coach, you've got to teach at the junior high level. Then you've got to teach at the sub varsity level because people won't line up and cover three for you on the varsity level like, like they do. So a lot of the concepts that you say okay, this is what we're going to do on Friday night and Saturdays in the playoffs. Those are not necessarily good. You have to build towards it. So your teaching has to be better. It has to be more layered because the things that they will see, for example, you might not see a whole lot of match at the sub varsity level. And so those reps that you would normally put into it, you can't just have a standardized install and say, okay, you know, these are our trips, match beaters, or, you know, wh whatever you want, palms or whatever you want to call it to the trip side, because you're not going to get that at the sub varsity level and vice versa. And so it's really layering your teaching to making sure that, that you get to what you need. You have to teach in progressions. And like you and I have talked, you know, the old four verticals, you used to be able to throw that lock seam because you would get cover three. Well, now, you know, on the varsity level, you're more likely to get a slot fade if you're wanting an inside vertical versus one high, right? To even though it might be cover three, right? You're more likely to get that than you are the locked seam. But at the sub varsity level where the root of your teaching starts, you know, you, you have to start at square one. As a guy, you know, you have a lot of experience, you know, coaching your son at the youth level and being involved. I think that's one of the, your perspective on being able to coach things from the youth level all the way up through college. And can you talk a little bit just about how I think there's a misconception about the passing game at the youth level, that that just can't be done unless you have, you know, an absolute phenom guy that's going to end up being a five-star quarterback. Can you just talk a little bit about your experience in teaching the passing game just at, at lower levels? And I know that turns into a giant discussion about all kinds of things, but just, just a little bit of your experience about that. I've, uh, been able to replicate it to an extent because I've worked with several youth level kids. I think that the things that you can teach are to look at people and to understand space. And you can work on spatial recognition, which is, you know, basically the processing, that part of it. You might not be able to teach and compartmentalize 
okay, you know, versus cover two, this guy can't be here like we would on the varsity level, right? You're talking to your senior starter, he'll know, of course, that guy can't line up there because he can't do his job from there. They might not be able to do that, but you can spatially teach parts of it. And, and it's really interesting. I'm getting to spend a lot of time with my son before he goes off, and we are actually helping coach a youth seven-on-seven team here in the Metroplex that's done pretty well. And they've, you know, it's a fifth grade team that we're teaching a lot of the same stuff. And it's interesting to him the other day, he was telling me when I was young, it was much harder to play against cover three because I had to drill the ball and I wasn't necessarily strong enough to do it. You know, and you don't think about those things. You think, oh, cover three, it's like, you know, it's like stealing, but he would have rather seen people play cover two or man. Of course, we all wished it was man, right? But, you know, we were talking just this weekend about seeing three deep defense because you got to drive the ball into seams and drill it in between the hook and the curl and the flat guy on, you know, curl flat things you take for granted. I think you can make up for those in different ways. You can certainly teach with very, very watered down principles. We teach option routes, you know, we teach Ram reads because, you know, it is seven on seven. So you're not getting that nasty three down drop eight kind of look, right? Wow. So that's good. But some of the things that he has been able to verbalize over the years are things that it really comes about, start to recognize, you know, we were talking about why cross some time ago. And he was like, well, if the slot can take care of this guy, I can take care of that guy with the throw. And, you know, it, but if it was inverted type of teaching, maybe not working as well. And so I think you can teach a lot of those things and those concepts, like we talked about, Homer Smith taught us, will carry on for your entire life. That's good stuff. Yeah. And I think that being able, like we've, we've talked about the teaching foundation, those things, teaching spatial recognition and uh, teaching, you know, how to see and read defenders. And that just carries over so much. And you can, you, what you're doing is instead of starting over every single year at every level, you're just carrying that up and the kid gets better and better and better. I think that's really good. Uh, so you and I talk uh, every off season. I know we both have kind of our, we'll have, you know, different coaches that are part of our circle, like everybody does. And we're always looking at the next thing and what's cutting edge and what are colleges and NFL teams doing. Like, what? where do you see the evolution of the passing game in the next few years? Like, what do you think the future holds? I know one thing that everybody has, that I've talked to about, and I know you and I have talked about this, is more and more because of the complexity of defenses, at every single level, you're seeing more option routes. You know, I think there was a time 10 years ago when you and I were outliers for running any type of option route, and people thought it was freakish. And now mm -hmm. you've got everybody running option routes, and it's just becoming more and more prevalent. So I think that's something that's happened. But are there things like that that you see that you think, where, where are we going, you know, nationally with the passing game? You, you've been in Texas high school football. You see some of the best high school coaches. Uh, well, just what's your opinion on that? So one thing that I see is, is people are able to feature people better. Very, very lucky. Like you said, there's a lot of stars around here. I know you've had them. The Art Browse influence cannot be overstated. The deep choice, the deep option routes, there are some drawbacks, and I'll get to that in a second. But in terms of, of being able to just isolate people and put people on an island, I think that that's something that's been done. And, you know, kind of the, the secret is out on that. I think it's interesting because you have to be people. I have to throw out a lot of stuff. You can be really good and put up really good numbers and never win or only win to a certain point, you know, beat up on the weaker people on your schedule. And then every time you play somebody good, those things don't work. 
I still think that there is a place for you have to be able to know where defenders are. And I know a lot of people, because very few people are actually in that club, right? So they don't really know the teaching. A lot of it is copying and, and very few people get to hear the gospel, so to speak, right? But what you get is a lot of people who kind of have success throwing the football and are able to put up big numbers without really knowing where people are. And so it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with youth. You know, the understanding of coverages and where people are, I think that's where people struggle when things get ratcheted down and windows get tighter. All of a sudden, I've seen people not trust as much because they're used to just, oh, I'm looking at my guy run by the safety and I just lay it up over the top of them. Well, when that safety can now play out of the park and then it's a better outside backer that's coming to get you, it's a little bit different. I think that there's definitely that influence, but I still see that the very, very best teams are still able to be disciplined. They're able to do all the different kinds of things throwing it. I still always go back to the best teams throwing the football aren't necessarily the ones that can do that because for, for whatever reason, when they get matched, then their passing games kind of go out the window. You've always got to look at not the lowest common denominator on your schedule. Is, what, is our passing game going to work against the very best teams we play? And are we good if we play somebody who's more talented than us that it still gives us a chance to match up and still play? I think that that's really good stuff. You mentioned Homer Smith earlier. You know, I'm a big Homer Smith nerd. I think I tell people all the time, coaches will say, who are you talking about? Who's Homer Smith? And you know, I think he's one of the most underrated, little-known offensive innovators and minds, probably of the 20th century. I mean, huge influence, so far ahead of his time. I think the way he spoke, it's kind of Yoda-like sometimes. Maybe that throws guys off. Can you talk just a little bit about kind of Homer Smith's influence on your stuff or on your coaching career? I think people would find that to be pretty interesting. For one of the things, he was one of, of a handful of people who really believed in me enough to spend time with me and talk to me as a young coach, because I actually did get to correspond with him for a brief period of time. The things that he said made sense. And he was always talking about the visioning process and those kinds of things. I remember a couple buddies of mine in college that, you know, we were all walk-ons at Texas, a guy named Greg Felix, a guy named Todd Ford. They're both quarterbacks at Texas. And we were just kind of learning the system. You know, it was a great system. But we'd get these books and we would just like look at, you know, that offensive playbook of his uh, football's basic offensive playbook or whatever it was called. We kind of devoured that. And it was amazing how the visioning process that was described in it made sense when you could go to practice the next day. And of course, you know, we were all walk on, so we weren't actually getting reps. So we could see everything that happened, right? Because you're watching and you can see all that stuff, you know, kind of come to life and, and the stuff clicks for you. In a way, it was good because you get to see the, the game in the way the quarterback sees it, which I think is really important. For me, I had a high school coach that had that exact book in his office and he would call us in for, you know, offensive meeting or a captain's meeting or something. And we'd be waiting on him and I'd pick up the book and look at it. That's the first time I got introduced to it. So it's very similar. And then he had the old, there was a message board for you young guys. That's a thing that used to exist. And he would mm -hmm. actually get on and answer people's questions. And I remember being a young coach and he's just you can tell he's just exasperated answering some of these questions guys would ask him. They're wanting a very concrete, specific football question like, Coach, what do I run against a bear front? And he's wanting to be more abstract and talk in very general language that applies to everything. So I always thought it was funny and learned a ton from him. I do remember that message board. 
I also remember in conversations with him, he was already predicting. So, you know, I know the run and shoot kind of came concurrent with that, but he wasn't mirroring routes in the drop back game. He wanted as many people to get a part of the pattern as possible. It was timed with your feet. So there was a rhythm quality to it. He was always innovating. So he would, he would tell and talk about, and this is in the nineties, you know, he would talk about someday it's going to be four and five wide receivers. You know, it, it wasn't like he was stuck in a split back kind of mode. And I actually think that in his last years at Arizona, they were in a lot of one back, a lot of, 11 personnel you know he had a lot of stuff that you're seeing now all the time now but this is 30 years later you know and he he kind of saw it coming yeah he was definitely a visionary as coaches we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses uniforms training equipment travel and more but raising that money can feel like a full-time job Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team m-o-f-o dot com slash demo and mention coach and coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year and you're always cutting edge the stuff that you do you update your system every year you're always looking you know, how to respond to defenses what's the new thing people are doing uh, who are you like i think everybody would love to know coaches always anytime i talk to anybody we always ask you know hey well, who are you studying who are you watching on film so who are you studying right now what are the trends you're looking at you know are there coordinators or teams or systems that you like if you kind of speak to that a little bit funny that you asked that i watched a lot of Lions and I watched a lot of Jaguars film and maybe not obviously they have better players than 100% of us have right the Chiefs of course are a favorite to watch but some of the things that happen there are so freakish and sometimes I watch and I know you can't teach that you know you can get back to at least like the systematic level I think that those two teams do a really nice job because they're not just out overmatching their opponents all the time now of course, they got special, special players, right? You know, I think they both have number one picks as their quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff. But watching what they do and how, you know, the evolution of the West Coast offense, you can see it there. You can see a lot more 
uh, of those things. And just in the NFL in general, I, I look at situations. I don't necessarily study coordinators as much. Maybe those two. You know, I'll pull got a lot of Washington film from last year. Obviously, Tennessee was really good, but you know, a lot of their stuff is is the deep choice stuff like we talked about you always want to see what people are doing but what i think that those two teams that i mentioned in the nfl do they formation and they get matchups people who who don't really know the game will say oh they're in 11 personnel 90 percent of the time like that's a bad thing but the 11 people that they have are special players and the matchups that they get are incredible and forces defenses out of what they really want to do. Because when they're, you know, the Jaguars tight end is flexed away from trips and he's four yards away from the tackle. You have to play him a certain way. You can't play him like a little receiver and you can't play him like a tight end. And so, you know, I think that there's equivalencies, but they are getting a lot of things that happen. And when you're watching from the wide angle, you know, you're going, oh, that's man free. But the, again, the cool thing is seeing the complexity with that the defenses counter with, because, you know, I was watching a little bit with, with a couple of quarterbacks and they were like, man, what defense is that? And, you know, you're as a coach, you're going, I was, I was cover one. It was like, you didn't start like cover one. And so I think that's another lesson for us is like the difference in what we see as coaches and what a player who puts himself in his mind behind the line of scrimmage sees is completely different. Like you mentioned, Doug Peterson, who, of course, is from the Andy Reid tree. And I think it, it's very clear we're talking the best players in the world, the best coaches, allegedly. You know, you've got all this time and all these resources, but it is amazing. I think it should give us confidence as coaches how much difference, even at that level, that coaching makes. You know, when you have really good talent on all sides and you look at and, and we're not here in any way to bash coaches or anything like that. But just look at the difference mm -hmm. Doug Peterson made, you know, in that one year working with Trevor Lawrence. And you can just see that there's a plan and there's a system in place and he's able to move and things are calibrated with his feet and it's how much improvement there was. And I think that should give us all confidence that, you know, what, it's about Jimmy's and Joe's, but what we do matters too. Yeah, for sure. Coaching matters. You know, a guy like the quarterback in Detroit, you know, he was at the Rams and he went to a Super Bowl. But before that, people thought that maybe he was not going to fulfill his destiny as a first round pick. Right. And of course, a coaching change happens there. And then he gets him to a Super Bowl and, you know, is is a very good player again. And so it, of course, it, it makes it makes a great difference. So let's kind of wrap up. We could talk all night, uh, obviously, about the passing game, you and I. Let's wrap up with just some ball talk. Um, talk to me about your verticals. You have got, I think, it, if people look it up or they want to look it up your stuff or your blog or, or your books, but you have one of the most kind of expansive uh, vertical packages out there that kind of encompasses everything. And you've got, I think, a lot of different answers. And I think uh, you've talked a lot about how that has started with a run and shoot influence and kind of has evolved from there into just being able to do all kinds of things. But we've talked a lot about evolution, but I think that's that's a key thing to think about. Kind of how has your vertical game evolved and kind of the way you teach four or three verticals and what are things you're thinking about maybe now that you weren't thinking about 10 or 15 years ago? Oh, sure. So it started like four verticals like everybody else's. Um, maybe because of the run and shoot influence, there was a quick breaker that you had to build in on the front side, you know, so that in a two by two, four verts, like people normally think of that locked vertical had to be a quick component to it. And then we've gotten into it. You certainly have done a great job putting it on the field, having man beaters instead of, you know, because actually 
a lot of the run, the way I learned the run and shoot, the seam read was called the DZR, the downfield zone route, right? And so, you know, it just I started thinking about it and we weren't really throwing the locked seam that often, except for in like in three by one set. And so building in man beaters on the front side and, you know, one of my influenced by a lot of things, but I got to work some camps because of my one of my college buddies was the quarterback coach for those great South Lake Carroll teams that Todd Dodge in Texas started on and and they you know they ran up a, a play called cruise which is a shallow by number one and a flag route by number two and reading the corner and they would go backside to something and then it gave me the idea of well what if that was the man beater and then you got the zone beater on the backside doing that and then of course you know finding different ways to get isolations because of, of what you're seeing you know like the 10 yard option route uh, by the front side slot and, you know, clearing with the outside receiver. And so you basically have it adjust to blitz still. The latest thing is just how to organize it and to keep it in a way that you can still teach it, right? The way I think about it now is, is it a full field uh, for verticals or is it a full field vertical read where the underneath pattern, I always believe in having an underneath route come underneath the bender or the seam read. Uh, one of the things that I've really looked at is how to organize that. And so, you know, now when I differ from that, when you want something completely different on the front side, you've got to borrow a guy. So either because of protection or because of the coverage you might anticipate or because they're dang playing that, you know, that Tampa three defense and you got to do something uh, with it having the control route be on the play side you know so my organization of of that section of my book has changed a little bit because now i gotta account for okay if i need the control route to be on the same side as the bender so obviously you've got a couple of choices either an inside receiver or an outside receiver and how you are going to create that and then Obviously, one of the things that happens, or at least that I'm trying to make sense of, is what I call off landmark. So when the bender is no longer the number one or number two, number two, when people run the switch route or whatever, that's pretty common. But now it's like, well, what if it's three doing it? What if it's one doing it with number two running the crooked getting across? And so I have organized different calls for those kinds of things. Yeah, that's really good. And it, it goes back to, you know, something we've talked about for years, which is you can create four vertical effects without actually having to have four guys running vertical. And, and that makes things really tough on a defense and putting in those man beaters to be able to deal with all the different stuff. It's really good. And anybody that wants to check that, that out, check out Dan's coach tube courses or uh, any of his books. Uh, it's got great, great stuff in it. Dan, I learned something, 10 things every time we talk. Uh, really glad to have you on. That's really good stuff all the way around. And uh, hopefully we can do it again sometime and get even more in-depth on, on some different passing concepts. But really appreciate you and the uh, impact you've had on my career. And uh, just appreciate you coming on, man. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Well, definitely a lot here as we share our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. Josh, what stuck out for you in this conversation with Dan? Well, you know, anytime you're talking to Dan, it's harder to, to narrow down to all the different nuggets that you pick For up. Sure. But I think there are three things that stood out to me. You know, one thing Dan talks about is, and it's always been a passion of his, is, is the need to layer your levels of teaching. And, and as a high school coach, you don't get to just recruit your players. You've got to be able to think about teaching them from the youth level on up. So figuring out ways to teach a concept at all the way to the youth level that then you can build on and advance as you go. 
all the way up to high school, but they still have that foundation that you started very young. And I don't think most guys think that way about the passing game. I think if, if, if you start teaching buck sweep, you know, in sixth grade, guys get that totally. And they're like, yeah, we'll build on that teaching. But the passing game's a little different. I think it's scary for guys. And I think it's good to hear Dan talk about that. So that'd be the first thing. Second thing big for me was how he talked about, you've got to feature your players. And you got to get good players on weaker personnel, but also you got to look at your passing game from a big picture. Is my stuff good against the best people I play on my schedule? Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of guys think of, okay, passing game is that we can hit these big plays and we've got a matchup here. But when you play the best coached, most athletic teams on your schedule, is your passing game built for that and still going to work? Are you still going to have answers? And I think if you start to think of it that way, you know, it can really help you in your kind of evaluation of where you're at and then the last thing uh again there's so many things but something that i, I wrote down immediately when he said it is when you're when you're doing off-season study and you're looking at teams kind of our perspective tends to be i like what this team is doing i'm going to study this or i like this coordinator i'm going to study this but one of the things dan talked about is you take particular formations and you look at what teams are doing and even more so how are defenses responding to that so you can sort of he talks about how you could have a tight end flex set where it's three by one and you've got a tight end that's either, you know, somewhere two to four yards from outside the tackle and how that's a big time NFL set and it's unique. Well, that causes a defensive response. So how can you find those formations that, you know, the defense is reacting to you. You're not just reacting to the looks defenses had. I think thinking of your off season study and cutups in that way, it's really smart and kind of affected me as far as, okay, what, what are things do I need to look at this off season as far as formationally, how different defenses are attacking that. And then how can we counter that? Great takeaways there, Josh. And I agree with you with all the things that he said, and you're right. We could have listed a bunch more, but I appreciate you narrowing it down to three there. We will share Dan's resources, a link to that. Uh, he has those on coach tube. I know he has some iBooks as well that uh, I worked with him on producing man, I think around 2014. Uh, but his stuff is ever evolving. He stays on top of the game in the way that he studies it. So be sure to check his stuff out on CoachTube. Speaking of CoachTube, I know I saw you have two new courses that you've released there as well. So let's talk a little bit about what you've put together. Yeah, absolutely. So I put together a two volume course on low crossing routes and hopefully eventually it'll work towards a high crossing route one as well. But it's two volumes where Really, I've got, I get a lot of questions about crossing routes, and I, I've, I've got a lot of film built up over the last 13 or so years, and I thought, let, let's put this down and use this as a reference and a resource for guys. You'd be crazy to do it all, but it kind of gives you, you know, a guy, I've made mistakes with it, I've learned from it, and so you can sort of get out in front, I'm hoping, and, and look at things and go, you know what, this helps me, or this doesn't, or what is this mistake that was made, and so it's really just a reference point for a lot of crossing routes and ways to, to use them. And I think, you know, total, it's about over five hours of different uh, film and teaching. So really excited about it. Hopefully some guys will check it out. Yeah. All of your stuff is, is very useful in studying the passing game. You put a ton of detail into it as well. I'll put those links in the show notes and coach great job here on kicking this one off our first episode of the passing lab series. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, for having me. And I, I love this idea and let's, let's keep it rolling. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes and resources. In addition, we have articles and our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas 
from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.